Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. Welcome to the Mindvine podcast. Uh, my name is Daryl Mathers. I'm the co-host. My regular co-host, Chris Bobie, is uh, unavailable at the moment, so I'm, I'm flying solo on this one. But we have a very special guest who's been at Ontario Shores for the week, uh, talking about something that's really close to our heart, and that's recovery. So I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Mike Slade. And before, uh, before we get into the questions, just a little bit about uh, Mike. He's the professor of mental health recovery and social inclusion at the University of Nottingham and the chair of the European Network for Mental Health Service Evaluation. Uh, there's a bunch of things written down on this paper that I won't get, I won't get to, but Excellent. essentially you published, you published uh, I think it's 11 books, you know, hundreds of articles. Uh, recovery is your, is your passion. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about a little, little bit about why you're here at Ontario Shores you know, this week. But before we get into that, welcome. And can you tell me a little bit about how... You became the guy who's who's synonymous with recovery, and how it became such a big part of your your life. Well, I, I guess I um, I'd say two things. One is, insofar as I've learned stuff, I've learned it from people who have their own experiences of mental health issues, mm. and yeah, I publish a lot. You know, often I, I I construct my job as translating stuff from the world of lived experience into the clinical world because I'm a clinician and a researcher that's that's my main identities and a lot of the stuff I write is just telling the clinical world stuff that everyday people who have experienced as patients or family members have told me so you know in a way that's very much a source of my expertise if I have some I, I guess my motive is is a kind of social justice issue it just seems to me an outrage that people with mental health problems are so often dealt a really poor hand in terms of normal expectations of citizenship and different expectations somehow seem to apply when I just don't see why they should you know just because someone has mental health issues why shouldn't they have access to decent housing or the right to work or all the kind of normal stuff that we Mm. we take for granted in every other citizen so so I think my kind of driving motive is is just one of the kind of right space, I guess. Hmm. The word recovery, I mean, we've it's been synonymous with physical health you know, for years, uh, but it's still a relatively new concept, yeah. a novel concept when it comes to uh, mental health. What have you discovered in your work about recovery as it relates to mental health? Uh, and I would imagine it's quite unique to the individual, but are there some uh, commonalities between people's recovery from mental health? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are two things to say. One is the word is a, is a problem because, you know, if, if you talk to the person in the street about what recovery means, they'll say it means getting better. So, you know, I had a broken knee and I recovered and I'm now f- able to run again. That, that, that's not the most useful kind of meaning of recovery in a mental health context where recovery much more has come to mean living as well as possible, whether or not you have symptoms or mental health challenges or other life challenges, just getting on in life. So, so that's what recovery means. So as you say, it's very individual. But nonetheless, there are um, common processes that seem to happen for people across different stories. So we did a lot of work in my research group um, looking at what happens in recovery, you know, what are the things that people seem to find helpful. And and we identified what has become called the CHIME framework. So this is an acronym standing for Connectedness, Hope, 
identity, meaning and empowerment. So, so people's recovery seems to be around connecting with others beyond themselves or their family or God or a sense of moving outside of their own headspace. Um, having hope, having the, the sense that a better life might be possible. And then an identity, and this is particularly challenging here in a hospital, of an identity beyond being a patient, having pathways to becoming something beyond just someone with a mental illness who needs treatment from experts. And then the kind of challenge that we all struggle with about meaning and meaning making and, and working out what's going on, having a story about ourselves that, that just makes sense, that gives us a future. Mm. And then finally the question about empowerment, the kind of experience that everyday citizens have of making choices about their life. And these seem to be the kind of processes that happen in, in again and again in different variants, in different ways in people's recovery stories. So we, we've, we've come to view that that's a useful framework for health workers, people like me, to be thinking about in our work. Am I supporting connection? Am I helping the person to develop a, an identity beyond a patient and so forth? The concept of recovery stories in kind of implementing recovery in an organization like ours, uh, which is still, again, a novel concept in a, lo in a lot of ways. Uh, you travel the world and you see people try to embed recovery into their day-to-day -day practices. Like, where are we at in terms of a, a, an issue in, in, in making sure recovery and the stories of recovery play a role in somebody's treatment? I, th I think Ontario Shorts has a whole host of things to be really proud of. You know, you, you've opened one of the first recovery colleges in Canada. Um, you've got uh, developing peer support workforce. You've got a real focus on improving quality. You're concerned about and monitoring and acting on information about patient experience. You're engaging with, with families and trying to understand family experiences. You've got a suite of inpatient and outpatient programs, all of which are striving to provide really high-quality evidence-based interve intervention. So, you know, I think Ontario Shores is a space that people working here, people coming here as patients or family members, can rightly bring really high expectations about. Mm. Now, that said, there's still a way to go. Mm. And, you know, in a sense, my visit here is is trying to take the temperature to identify some suggestions to Ontario Shores about some of the next steps that you, you might want to take. When you've, you've been visiting here all week, so you have something about 35 meetings mm -hmm. <laughs> in five days, uh, you've met uh, a range of people, you know, uh, patients, clinicians, uh, senior, senior leaders as well. Has there been uh, any kind of common characteristics or... Uh, themes that come up when you're talking to people about the recovery work being done here? Anything that comes like leaps to mind when you talk about well, them? Well, I think um, if I were to pick out a common strength mm. that has been identified by the different stakeholders I've, I've talked about, um, one of your four strategic action plan goals is to be caring. Mm. And I've heard from lots of different sources, there's a lot of care and compassion here. Mm. The, the, the people who work here and, and the people who support their work bring real care and that's just a fantastic sort of strength on which to build. Mm -hmm. Now some of the ways that that plays out maybe we need to think about maybe for example um, the language that's used and, and the way that um, yes Ontario Shores for some people is a hospital but what can we do to soften the experience of it being a hospital and support people to keep life skills on the go so they're kind of ready to go back to more in independent living. Maybe some of that can be done better. Um, the question of who has a voice, how decisions are made in any system internationally, this is always a challenge because mm. for 
the, the organisation, they kind of want to make decisions so because they've got lots of drivers on them from external regulators and accreditation mm. frameworks and so forth. So they kind of want to make decisions that will meet those. But that sometimes doesn't work in the best interests of individuals getting really person-centred care. So the, I think Ontario Shores is really grappling with things that systems around the world are grappling with about issues of power and control and how does someone... What happens if someone doesn't agree with the care plan? You know, what happens next? Just very concrete questions like that. Well, even the, <coughs> the funding model that, you know, we fall under here in Ontario yeah. and what other organizations would uh, around the world, there, how do you balance recovery and, uh, and the constant desire to measure uh, outcomes and, and provide evidence? Like, how do we... Do, is that an area to, like where there's emerging research that you're working on and uh, that is going to take us to that next level in terms of articulating what recovery means in the overall? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think Ontario Shores does very well. I mean, it, uh, the um, one term for that would be data analytics, sort of using, measuring data about people's experiences and outcomes and then using that to improve services. I think there's a real ambition here at Ontario Shores to do that well. And um, I was talking to a patient earlier this week who was telling me it's really helpful to see their progress being measured and to see how far they've come over time. Yeah. So both at the individual patient level and at the sort of system level, it can be a really helpful thing to do. But that said, you've got to be smart. Yeah. And the question about what you measure, of course, is central because what you measure sends, <coughs> me, send, sends a powerful message about what matters. Yeah. So to what extent are we measuring organisational things like uh, time in a service or number of contacts a staff member has and the kind of things that organisations want to know versus the kind of things that make a real difference in patient and family members' lives. And, and that's always attention and it is here just like everywhere else. One of the things uh, I think you've touched on in, in other visits and uh, to other hospitals and organisations around the world is about digital storytelling. Mm. It feels like that's kind of like a, maybe a, one of the next waves of recovery. Can you I talk think about so. that a bit? I think so. So, um, so my group, for example, we're, we're um, trying to do really quite cutting-edge research in this space. So um, we've, we've got a program of work at the moment uh, called the NEON Study, which is developing the world's largest collection of recorded recovery stories. So lots of different ways, podcasts and videos and text. And then we're going to use artificial intelligence approaches, so machine learning, to match people to stories that might be helpful to them. Because we know from research that recovery stories can be really powerful. I mean, we all know stories are powerful. They can inspire us. They can create hope when we felt empty and devoid of hope. So stories can really change us. And one of the things we can do is become better at giving people very deep in the system, you know, someone in a forensic unit here, access to stories of recovery of people who've been in the same place and have found the strength and and the the courage to kind of move forward in their life and the research is very clear that's where hope comes from so we need to become better internationally and certainly in Ontario Shores at making it easy for people to access stories of hope stories of transformation stories that will inspire them rather than accessing stories of compliance or adherence or being a good patient mm. so that that's often the transformation that that is very difficult in a hospital system because 
all of those pressures are towards becoming a, a good member of the institution, playing your part, being a, quote, good patient. Mm. And that, unfortunately, isn't fantastic for many people's recovery journey. So, yeah, stories are, I think, one of the things that needs to be much more visible in the future. For example, just who are the people that a patient has contact with when they come to a hospital? Who do they see? And this is one of the places that peer workers, this new um, type of role that's emerging and uh, there are now peer workers in Ontario Shores as well as many, mm. many systems internationally. You know, meeting people who are credible role models of recovery can be powerful and can really change someone's trajectory. So we need to engineer so people have a lot more contact with other people with lived experience who are further down their recovery journey. <coughs> and making sure that they're honest stories as well too, right? That they, they're... Because uh, when, we, when we do stories at Ontario Shores, we often... Uh, talk about the ups and the downs yeah. <laughs> that just because you're at a place where you're going to uh, be or you're willing to share your story and open up doesn't yeah. mean it's you're not going to relapse at some point or they're not you know that you're not going to take a step back that's you're right trying. that's right so 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 what we don't want is sanitized sort of mm. um marketing stories mm. if you like that yeah. just say oh well i had a really difficult life and hey look at me now and here <laughs> i am in my suit driving my porsche and yeah that's not not very helpful because that's not realistic mm. and um yeah we can talk about relapse i mean just talking about everyday people sometimes life is good sometimes it's not so good Mm. And that's normal and reality, and why on earth would we want to pretend otherwise? But the fact that sometimes life is a bit better, even when you're a dark, in, in a dark place yourself, that can be very helpful to go, gosh, maybe things will improve. Mm-hmm. That person, they were the same place I was, and, you know, their life isn't perfect. They still have struggles, but it's moved forward a bit for them, and suddenly that rekindles a tiny flame of hope. So these stories can be very powerful, especially, as you say, when they're, when they're authentic and yeah. real stories. I think and they manage expectations to a degree, too, right? When you get to that p- place of wellness uh, and you see that somebody before you in a similar situation is able to manage the ups and the downs, yeah. right? That yeah. they're not, they don't, I mean, there's not a sense of failure if you're in a better place and then have a step back. That's I think, right, that's I think right. It's really important. Um, one of the things we talked about too before uh, the camera started rolling was uh, you, you have an event that's kind of a world-renowned recovery conference that uh, you started back uh, in the UK. Can you talk, tell us a little bit about that and when the next one? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, so I think you're talking about refocus on recovery, which um, is a research conference which we've run um, every two years since 2010. So we're running the fifth one in um, 2019 in, in Nottingham. And this is looking to develop an international community of practice around recovery research. So it's it's particularly focused on um, innovations and things that are sort of moving things forward in the way that systems like Ontario Shores can support people's recovery journey. Now, the exciting innovation that we're just introducing is to move beyond running international conferences to running national mm. refocus on recovery events. And I'm so pleased the first um, country out of the block is Canada. Mm. So we're working with uh, the Mental Health Commission of Canada and CMHA and Ontario Shores to collaborate on running Refocus on Recovery Canada in 2020, which will be a national event, not an international event, so mainly targeted at, at Canadians, to, to try and kickstart the movement towards a community of influence and a community of practice around recovery research. And I fully expect that stuff going on at Ontario Shores will feature really prominently in that, mm. because this this place is is emerging as a thought leader across Canada. Just to, to that note about it being the you know the first to have a uh, you know first national conference to go 
uh, in partnership with your international conference, is Canada, where does Canada kind of fit in terms of recovery and around the world? Are we, do we have a lot of work to do still? Are we, you know, like where do we kind of, where do we kind of fit in in terms of? Well, uh, I mean, there are many factors that impact on that. One is the income of the country. So um, the countries that have for longest been trying to engage with recovery ideas are, are high income countries. So particularly Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand and North America mm. would be the spaces that many of the initial thinking about recovery has come from. And Canada has been in that pack for mm. sure. And what's going on here is exactly the kind of cutting edge stuff like recovery colleges, peer support workers, etc. Mm. that are happening in, in many other countries. Other countries are catching up though. Um, so a couple of months ago I was at um, Uganda where uh, in Kampala there's the first African recovery college opening. And it was great to see that recovery means something similar but something different in Africa. And I I suspect that the the journey for countries like Canada is going to be partly carrying on being at the cutting edge, because to answer your question, I think Mm. Canada is right up there and can be really proud of its achievements and its focus on rights and, and so forth. But also learning from other spaces so that recovery moves from being a monocultural concept which is defined by sort of white anglo-saxon english-speaking countries Mm. to something that is much more embracing of diversity and i think that's one place that we have to learn from other countries around the world from and when it comes to your conference, if people want to learn more about uh, your conference, is there a place they can go to online, or how would they access information? Yeah, so so my website, researchintorecovery.com, mm-hmm. um, has got information about the conference. It's got information about our recovery research network that we, we coordinate um, and about all our studies. So that's that's a place to go mm-hmm. for information. Well, it's been great having you here all week. It's There was a lot of uh, <clears throat> buzz leading up to your first uh, appearance on Monday, and I know you've been kept busy. and. Uh, and we, I think as an organization, we understand that there's always a next level. You're always shooting for that next level. But <clears throat> I know we're quite proud of the work uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that we've done in terms of recovery. And it's nice to have you here to kind of explore you know, what we've done and what we can do. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Excellent. Thanks, Darren. Begins and ends with hope.